He had always prided himself on being able to hold his liquor. He wasn't like some of the guys he knew, high-powered wheeler dealers who would have to call around after a wild night on the town, checking with valets at local watering holes to see where they had left their favorite Porsche or Ferrari. He usually knew exactly where he'd been. He also knew when he'd had enough. But now his mind was fuzzy. He couldn't quite pull things together. Not just tonight, but what had gone on in the days before that, either. The vehicle slowed again. He braced himself, expecting another right-hand turn. Instead, the vehicle turned sharply to the left and bounced off the pavement and onto a much rougher surface. Fine dust swirled inside the small space, filling his eyes and nostrils, making his eyes water and his nose run. Definitely the desert somewhere. There was another hard jolting bump, then the vehicle came to a sudden halt. What must have been the driver's door opened and shut. And then there was nothing. No sound at all. At first he hoped and dreaded that the trunk lid would click open and his captor would free him. But that didn't happen. He strained his ears, hoping to establish if the freeway was still near enough that he'd be able to hear semi speeding past. But for the longest time, he heard nothing at all. He felt only the oppressive heat and wondered how long it would be before the oxygen ran out and he suffocated. He felt it first. The car trembled as if it were alive, as if it were being racked by a bad case of the chills. Then he heard it, a distant rumble growing louder and louder until it turned into an unmistakable roar. The car rocked in concert with the sound until the terrible roar and the shaking were one. It was then the man heard the shrill, earth-shattering screech of a fast-approaching freight train. The whistle sounded once, in a single, long, warning wail. Only then did he realize that whoever had locked him in the trunk had left him on the train tracks, left him there to die. He struggled desperately against his restraints, but it was no use. He couldn't free himself. The engine of the speeding eastbound train plowed into the stationary vehicle, peeling it open like an empty tin can, and then dragging the wreckage along underneath the engine for the additional mile it took for the shaken engineer to finally bring the fully loaded train to a stop. As the engineer spoke to the 911 operator in Palm Springs, he reported having seen something fly up and out of the shattered vehicle, something that had looked more like a rag doll than it did a human being. Chapter 1. Cutlooseblog.com Thursday, September 15, 2005 For all you Cutloose fans out there who've been following my story from the beginning, tomorrow is the day the D-I-V-O-R-C-E becomes final. For those of you who may be new to the site, the last few months have been a bit of a bumpy ride since both my husband and my former employer simultaneously sent me packing in hopes of landing a younger model. My soon-to-be ex, a.k.a. Fang, as he's known in the blogosphere, called me yesterday. It was the first time I'd heard from him directly in several months. What surprised me more than anything was how much I didn't feel when I heard his voice. That, I believe, is a good sign. It turns out Fang was calling in his own imperious way to make sure I'd be in court tomorrow so the divorce decree can be finalized. I could have given him grief about it, 
could have claimed I was sick or maimed or just too annoyed to bother driving eight hours plus from Sedona over to L.A. And had I done so, it would have sent him up a wall. You see, Fang needs this divorce right about now a whole lot more than I do. Our court appearance is scheduled Friday. Saturday is Fang's wedding day. I've heard rumors that he and his blushing bride, a.k.a. Twink, are planning a big-deal celebration, a catered affair with all the right people in attendance at what used to be our joint domicile on Robert Lane. In view of the fact that Twink is expecting Fang's baby within weeks of the scheduled nuptials, you might think a little more discretion was called for. But discretion has never been Fang's long suit. For that matter, it must not be Twink's either, since the baby was conceived sometime prior to my abandoning our marriage bed. For those of you who are concerned about my state of mind as I approach this change in marital status, don't be.